welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. The next three weeks podcast will be on location episodes. This week we got a chance to sit down with coaches at the California Junior College Championship in Folsom, California. In this episode we'll hear from Palomar's Ben Adams, Aloni's Mike Kern, Riverside's Rudy Aguilas, Folsom Lakes Rich Gregory, and CCC BCA President Chris Pedretti. Let's welcome everyone to the podcast. Here with Ben Adams, uh, 18th season, Palomar? 18th, yes. Love it. Um, you know, what's the program meant to you? Um, I would say the program has meant a lot. I mean, it's. Uh, I know when Coach Vetter hired me in 2004, sort of sort of a wandering young soul and um, he sort of brought me in put me under his wing and um, it's done a lot for me it's allowed me to grow develop become a in a, a basically an adult start a family learn how to coach young men and teach along the way so it's been really good Bob Bob died opening day sorry he died no because because he was that. still our, he was still our assistant yep. um, he, and then he died on opening day so it's been one of those so you guys kind of playing for him then I mean, we, 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 we've been playing with that distraction and dealing with everyone with that whole part of it. Um, I would say, yeah, we're we playing for Bob, probably playing for more his memory and more of what Palomar that he created and that he built and the foundation and that stuff. Yeah, trying to uphold what he started. What about Buck Taylor? Buck and I were both assistants for Bob. Um, I've known Buck, I know when we were doing camps together and then Buck was down at Palomar and then I remember when one, I think we're at Stanford camp sitting there after camp was over talking and he goes, hey man, if you ever want to do this, this, or this, you know, that, you know, it's sort of, you know, and then so in 2004, I gave Buck a call and he talked to Bob and Bob talked to me and I drove from Louisiana to California and never looked back. We talked a little bit during practice about how good offensively you guys are. I mean, do you attribute to that anything besides recruiting? Do you attribute um, I contribute it to, um, having your best two or three players buying into what you're trying to do. And then when your best players are doing what you're asked to do, everyone else just seems to sort of step in line and follow. I mean, that's, it's e easy to say, hard to do, but I think our best players have bought all into what either I'm asking them to do or 
what we're trying to do as a group and everyone else just I mean, steps right in line. What do you do that maybe in, in previous years or other years you haven't been as good offensively that you're doing this year? I think one, um, the kids are sponges. Uh, I think being starved for two years, usually when you're dealing with 18, 19, 20 year olds, there's always a passive aggressive pushback to do certain things that are out of their comfort zone. And I think having not been able to play in 20 got cut short and then not having to play in 21. And I think when they came out, it was really like coached a bunch of 13, 14 year olds and the fact that they're just sponges. They took what you asked, they took what you wanted to do and they just, just did it without much pushback. And I think really, it's on them for doing what was asked really without having to be convinced so much. They just said, okay, I'm gonna do it. I wanna play, I'm excited. And they just, they've done an amazing job with doing what they're asked and making adjustments and things like that. Did you get to recharge at all in that time? Um, it was miserable. I wouldn't say there was any recharging. I think it was complete stir crazy boredom, anxious, um, unbelievable. I mean, we were doing Zoom, bunt Ds, Zoom first and thirds. I mean, we were doing, we did the entire spring course online where we had to meet on Zoom and it was awful. Um, I know last spring we, we got the practice for a, a couple of weeks. We had to wear masks and surgical gloves to play catch and put in a bucket, play back and forth. And I mean, it was just, it was awful. And I think it was more draining dealing with the kids, dealing with off the field issues, identity crisis, depressions, counseling, all the other stuff that's non-baseball related when kids, have, kids kind of basically had an identity crisis because they're a student athlete. I'm a baseball player, but I'm also this. And then without baseball, what am I? And then we had a hard time just making sure everyone could stay on track and not fall off the coaster and you know, sort of stay engaged. And it took a lot of work and it was draining. Um, more so than anything else, trying to stay upbeat, trying to always stay positive in a non-positive time. I asked you about BP rounds. You said you've been in a good routine. I mean, how important is that as a coach to know, like, hey, we're in a groove right now, and let's just keep doing what we're doing? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, once we get to the postseason, I mean, every single year, I mean, my time is practice. My time is to grind on you, go play in games. And then once you get to the postseason, I mean, it's, it's not my time. It's their time. So sort of you're going to make of it what you will. Here are our goals, and I'm going to let you go play. And I'm going to just give you some walls. And outside of that, go enjoy the experience. And it doesn't last very long. And there's not too many of them. So try and make it as fun and as enjoyable and just sort of re rewarding as, as you possibly can. Have you guys faced any adversity this year? I would say we've been dealing with nothing but adversity all the time, um, just dealing with um, getting the kids back on. We've actually been pretty lucky with the schedule, with time on the field and things like that, but it always seems to be that um, dealing with Bob Dine was, was a massive hurdle. I think that uh, the kids actually dealt with it better than probably us, um, but they did a really good job of being able to stay the course and let me take care of all the distractions and let me take care of that stuff while they just go play and um, we'll talk and we'll do things at different points and different program foundation topics and words that um, that Bob found important that I also find important and we've really been trying to reinstill that and sort of build what he had and sort of work on it and take it to a, what Bob and Buck had done and sort of just sort of keep it rolling because it was a massive chore coming back. Um, the program's all good programs. You know, you talk about culture, you talk about all those things that are super important. Um, in the JC world, you get two years, two years of not playing, whatever kids that you had that know what culture was good or what culture was bad, they've all moved on and the culture's gone. It doesn't exist, right? So, I mean, we had to basically start from scratch and what are our program, what are our foundations, what are our principles, what are our pillars, what do we have to do? And 
starting from scratch with that one and having to talk and explain and maybe do a little bit more of that than we have in the past, just having to square one. This is what we do, this is how we do it. It's tedious, 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 and sometimes drill sergeant, sometimes overcoach.com, but um, you had to build it and it really takes energy and focus and I sort of gave them the responsibility. You know, it's a, it's a heavy bag to carry, but what an awesome bag that you get to carry because you're in a good program that has a good reputation, but really right now has no culture because we're brand new. And it's not Bob Vetter's Palomar, it's not Buck Taylor's Palomar, it's really not even my Palomar. It's they get to create what Palomar will be right now, what it is and what it will be and what how that whole turnover happens. And so it's it's a bag to carry, but it should be a, a challenge, not, not a burden, if that makes sense. The 10 hour bus ride, Adversity. I mean, you guys don't normally have to do that in your area, well, right? No, not Did you not too much. Different, I flew up. <laughs> I flew up. I had a rep meeting, so I came about. I was already scheduled, and so they had to take the 10-hour bus ride. Um, you know, squeezed in there tight and laying down, and you know, it all took it in stride. I mean, we played on the road a couple times where we, you know, and it's we've we've been facing a lot of adversity. With you know, we had some just a bunch of stuff happen and dealing with. It always seems to be something. But we've been, they've, they've been a really, done a really good job of dealing with adversity and not letting it affect them. It's always kind of a sideshow. People are always coming, always going. I sort of keep it sort of chaotic and loose with people coming and going and maybe not always so narrow focused on everything, but I think they've done a great job of pushing away all the externals and really just being able to focus on what they're trying to do. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, man. No problem. Here. <laughs> My current alone. Aloney. Aloney. It's tricky. It's tricky. And I should have asked. That's, it's fine. That's my. That's my bad. We get. We get. We get. Uh, Learn new things every day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we get recruits from out of the area. Same thing. They're like, hey, coach, can't wait to be part of the program at Olone. We're like, all right, we'll we'll talk about that part later. Good thing I'm not getting recruited. Yeah. <laughs> hey, program need a little love when you showed up. Just talk about turning things around when yeah. you got here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Year before we got there, they were 16 and 20. They had kind of had a little bit of a downturn, and, and um, uh, field was was field needed some help. Um, and uh, yeah, we got there, and we kind of just decided, you know, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it, and we're going to do it now. And we're going to get to work. And so we, you know, we just tried to, uh, you know, bring in as many quality guys as we could as quickly as we could. And uh, it was tough, uh, but um, we just kept going out to places and shaking hands with high school coaches and meeting kids and. You know, and you know how it goes. Once you start getting a few of those difference makers, then you'll get a few more difference makers. Next thing you know, you got six or seven difference makers on the field. And, you know, and three years later, we were back in the Final Four uh, in 2017. And it's just such a neat feeling to be here. You know, all the teams that are here, they're just, uh, they're here for a reason. And it just, you know, so yeah, we had, we had to flip that thing and we did our best and, and uh, glad to be back. Second Final Four appearance. Yeah. Have you talked much with the guys about the first go around? Honestly, um, yeah, because I, you know, I feel like I feel like as a coaching staff, we're more prepared for it. None of these guys are prepared for it because we haven't had a Final Four right in, in three years now. So, um, coaching staff, um, it, you know, it's nice to say, you know, we've been here, and uh, we kind of know what to expect and where we need to be and what we need to do and and how people are, you know, what we're going to be asked to to be and at what time and. And so, yeah, we talked to the guys. We said in 2017, even as a coaching staff, we were just all thrilled to death to be there. And in, in 2022, we said, hey, we're coming here to, we, we want to leave our mark this time. So um, there's great teams here. We're going to do the best we can. But, um, well, you know, we're, I think we have a little bit different mindset this time. And that's probably 
the key to winning a, a championship, right, is just the expectations are different? I, I think so, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, if um, and again, I'll go back to 2017. We were just happy to be there. You know, we had we'd had a couple big wins, uh, a, a regional win against Kasumnas, who was a big eight team. And and we had a uh, the sectional win was against Sac City, a big eight team. And, you know, you know, once you take down a couple giants like that, who we have so much respect for, it's just like, you know, kind of like the, it was almost like the Final Four is anticlimactic. And, uh, and now it's, you know, I think these guys from day one, um, when we first met August 28th, there was an expectation to not only get to the Final Four, but once we get there, we, we want to we see if we can, we can do some damage this time. So we're going we're gonna, to, like I said, there's great teams out here. We're just, but I, I think we've got a little bit different mindset this time. Is there much difference between the North and the South? Probably not as much anymore. No, I think, I, man, I think, I think, you know, you've probably got 10 or 15 programs in the South that are really elite. And I think you probably got 10 or 15 in the North that are really elite. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, you have those, those two, you know, any of those programs face up on any given days and the game can go both ways, but there are, there's great players in the South and there's great ones in the North. Um, you know, you know, Juco baseball, it's, it's been special the last couple of years. So it's really been fun um, to, to watch some of these D1 kickbacks and some big boys come out here and do what they do. You also turned West Hills around uh, for a coach that's maybe going into a program that haven't, hasn't had success. Give them some tips on when you first get there. Yeah, I think I, honestly, I think a big piece of it is just patience. It's it's uh, realizing you're not going to flip the thing overnight. Um, and I think the second piece is is uh, recruiting. Uh, there's just there's no shortcuts. You have got to get out on the road. You got to talk to kids. You have to you have to be okay with being told no a thousand times to get that one diamond in the rough or that one gem. I think the third piece would just be getting along with people. Um, you know, realizing when we're trying to turn around a program, uh, you may not have all the things you need or you want. Um, and and uh, if you go in guns blazing, you're, you're not going to get it. And so a little bit of patience, recruiting like crazy, and then, you know, just, um, you know, having some good people skills. And, and uh, I think if you do that uh, pretty soon, you'll start to see things start to come your way a little bit. Being around Mike Batesel and, and seeing what he did at Fresno, did that help a little bit? 100%. Um, awesome guy. So I, I was also lucky enough to play for Rich Hill, who's at Hawaii now. Um, Marty Slimak at Cal Liu, who's, you know, 30 years there and national championship. Those three guys, uh, besides my, you know, my parents and, and my wife and kids, have uh, just been huge influences on me. Batesel was just a super tactician. He just, man, he just knows the game in and out. Um, if any situation confuses us in a game, we're practicing it the very next day. We're, re we're reliving it again, so we're prepared. Hill was just a worker. Um, I, I still remember at 5 a.m., you know, going to, to catching practice, and he was in the office. And I remember at 9 o'clock walking back from, uh, you know, a party or something, you know, on uh, the other side of campus. It was nine at night and Hill was still in his office. He was just a worker. He knew what it t took to uh, to develop a program. So those two guys, I'm very, very thankful and fortunate to have been able to work with those guys and for them. Been on the high school and also travel side. Yep. Talked, I mean, kind of blended both of those together. Right. That's kind of where we're heading now, right? Is blending high school and travel together and, and trying to make that work. Yeah, and I think, man, it's such a slippery slope because now you got some of the kids that are, they're not, they're just bypassing high school, you know? And, and it's sad because to me, I think, I think high school is such a valuable experience and, uh, you know, to wear your high school colors and get to play for those guys, it's a neat thing. So if guys can still understand the value of playing for your high school and understand how important it is uh, and then, you know, then get your travel ball stuff after that, because, you know, as college coaches, we want to we want to see and, in, in, you know, sometimes travel ball is a little bit, it's, it can be a little bit me, right? I'm going to go put up my numbers and my stats, but high school, it's really about your program, your organization, getting to that, you know, CIF championship or whatever. So. Um, you know, there's great value in both and, you know, love, love to watch uh, guys in both settings. 
How difficult was it coaching guys that you had played with at Cal Luther? That was, uh, man, that was, uh, it was an experience, I guess you could say, because you're right, I, I started coaching when I was 22. And Marty Slimak was great. Uh, he handed me the reins as recruiting coordinator at 22, and I've been uh, forever thankful because I had to learn. Um, I, I had to learn to grind and get after it and talk and compete with other coaches for guys. And um, so that was a neat experience. But as far as coaching other guys, you know, you kind of, uh, you know, you just understand like, hey, you know, you know, we were we were best friends last year, but I'm coach now, and I'm, I'm never going to do anything to disrespect you. But uh, I'm, I'm going to push you. And if you can see that I'm I'm trying to push you, even though we're best friends, honestly, I, I don't know if it's much different than now because um, you and I were talking about earlier today. Coaching has really become about developing relationships, and I think if kids see now that we are more of a partnership than it is like I'm the coach, you're the player, you do what I say because I told you. That just doesn't work anymore. So. Uh, really, at Calu, I, I saw it more as a partnership, and I, I don't think my philosophy's changed much, you know, 30 years later. I call it Sherpa and Shaman almost now with that relationship where the Sherpa's kind of leading but, but has a pack on also, and Shaman basically is helping them figure things out for themselves. I, that's the best way I can equate what coaching is now. I love it. It's, um, it's, giving the, it's giving the guys the tools they need to succeed, and that includes your coaches, and then kind of just letting them go a little bit and and watching them make mistakes and and kind of coming back around the backside again and saying hey you know you notice you know you did this you did that and then and then getting out of the way again and and so really to, you know it's really become about empowering kids hey man we want to empower you to kind of take a little bit of ownership of what you're doing we're going to give you the tools now here's your tools you go out and do it now i have to ask masters in theological studies yeah so I was going to be a priest. I'm a diehard Catholic, and I've uh, been to Rome a couple times, and to CC and, and Medjugorje, and, and uh, yeah, I really thought um, uh, when I was mid 20s, I really thought I was being called to the priesthood, and and uh, I, I ran from it because uh, Ryan, I was just like, I, I want to get married, I want to get married, I don't want to hear this, and uh, finally got so strong, um, you, you know, I, I took the leap and uh, went to study. Uh, Catholic University in DC for the Fresno Diocese, but it's funny after two years it was the faculty who are there was nine priests uh, They're the ones who said you, you need to go you need to go you're you, you've got other things to do and, uh, and was, On their part oh, right right they made the right call um, You know and, and it's funny how God works three weeks later I met my wife and we got four kiddos now and, and so maybe one of those little guys will be a priest We'll see <laughs> Strength your team they have 44 and 4 yeah. Uh, 57 home runs. It's been it's been a neat ride. Um, it, it's funny because we really haven't talked about you know we won 36 games in a row and no one really talked about it. It was it sounds cliche but but the guys just didn't. Um, I just think they really had a good time playing with each other all year, um, especially after all the COVID mess and stuff. But yeah, strength of the team is um, I, I yeah I mean we've got big numbers but um, I think we, we you know we really try and uh, focus on the executional stuff. You know, we love to hit and run and, and bunt and squeeze and, and first and thirds and all that stuff. And that's a lot of stuff I learned from Rich Hill. Um, you know, you can create some chaos every now and then, and you want to see if the other team is able to handle it. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So, yeah, as far as strengths, um, you know, a little bit, little bit of power, a little bit of offense. Um, but, um, you know, we like to make sure that we can control the barrel a little bit, too, and, and, and when we need to, to pull the, pull the little rabbit out of the hat. What are you trying to get accomplished today? I know you say you play on turf mostly, so is that more getting acclimated to being on the dirt again? Yeah, I think I think honestly, just after a two and a half, three an hour bus ride, you know, just getting the guys out here, getting them loose again, uh, you know, kind of working out the kinks a little bit, uh, kind of letting them see the background as far as fly balls, letting them see the background as far as hitters. So yeah, just kind of getting them acclimated with a new place, and and um, you know, we'll tell them tonight in our meeting that. Um, 
you know what? Uh, there's no no more. There's no chance for our, for excuses, right? You you had your 60 minutes out there. No excuses. Now it's time to go out there and do it. Get it done. What are some other things you'll go over in the meeting? Do you do much scouting report stuff? We do. Um, there's there. I think sometimes you can actually scout yourself into a loss, though. You know where where you know you go watch a team and you say, man, these guys just can't handle anything away, right? And so you pitch away, away, away. But but your strength as a team is to pitch in. And so sometimes you get away from what you do really, really well. And so, um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll go over, you know, what, what Palomar does and Riverside does and, and things of that. But really, it just comes down to us um, sticking what, with what we have done best and do do best and, uh, you know, seeing if we can execute and trying to maybe not overthink it too much. Talked about getting into recruiting at, at an early age. How long did it kind of take you to feel like, okay, I got a handle on this? Yeah, really good question because my dad was a lumber salesman. And it's funny, I, I grew up watching him from the time I was, you know, three, four, five years old, um, you know, and, uh, you know, until, you know, as, as recently as 15 years ago. And, and uh, he was a lumber salesman. He'd be on a phone. He'd be on the phone for eight, nine, ten hours a day. We'd go up to lumber yards in Oregon, Washington, and he could walk in and, you know, he could know everything about a person in, within 15 minutes. And um, so that was, you know, something maybe I feel like God just kind of naturally allowed me to have. I really enjoy recruiting. I enjoy getting to meet uh, young guys. I enjoy getting to meet their families. And so that's something that just always kind of came naturally. And uh, I think it is a skill for young coaches. If you are a little bit nervous, if you're a little bit anxious, if you don't have that confidence yet, I think it's something that can be developed. I think um, it's a matter of just taking those steps, going to talk to some kids, Next thing you know, you get a couple of them. Now your confidence starts to grow. So you know what you can say, what you can't say. So I think it's something that can really be developed over time. Good luck tomorrow, Coach. Awesome. I appreciate it a ton. Thanks, Ryan. All right, here with Rudy Arguelles, uh, Riverside City College, 20-plus years now, assistant head coach. 20, 23 total years going on the 24th year, as soon as the conclusion of this one. And uh, 2016 is when we transitioned with uh, Dennis and myself. For somebody that doesn't know about West Coast baseball, how good is Orange Empire? <laughs> well, um, try to be unbiased, but it, it's hard to, you know. Um, there's a tremendous amount of pride, as we talked about earlier, just about, you know, in the game in general, how you go about your business. And um, it's no secret, you know, you, you're going to be in that conference, and we like to use the word gauntlet, you know, once you get to conference and the Orange Empire play, you're, you're going to go through the gauntlet and, you know, you find a way to get in the playoffs, you, you have a really good chance of having a, a solid foundation set for a playoff run. And how rewarding is it what you and Dennis have done and now you're carrying the torch and I mean it's, you know, uh, as assistants we don't always get the credit, but how rewarding is it now with what you're doing? You know, Ryan, be honest with you, you know, when this first happened, you know, there was a lot of questions, you know, how do you fill the shoes? And, and, and it was instantaneously um, when we decided to go this, this transition and route, there is no filling those shoes. Zero. There's no attempt. Nor I don't know how anybody would want to. Um, that's the amount of tremendous respect that we have for him and what he built here. Now, the thing is, the foundation was set, you know, and again, we'll go back to pride. Um, and having the opportunity to help assist. And I think the biggest thing with us, where we're at now as a staff, yeah, there's titles, but there's zero, zero egos involved. And I think that's what's really kind of kept us in the position we're in and to be where we're at today. Four state championships, what's the key to winning this thing? 
<sighs> you know, I've been asked that a couple times, and, and to be honest, the message with these guys is nothing different. Play to our abilities, you know, embrace the moments. Don't create bigger moments than what they are. And, and really, um, we've shared with them as far as our preseason schedule, the way we set it. A lot of people said I was crazy doing it that way. But I mean, we played three consecutive days to emulate a series because that's what they're going to experience when they get to the next level, whether it be collegiately or professionally. And we want to emulate that. And you know when you get to the playoffs, you're playing in consecutive days. So we just told them you're built for this. You're built for us for this situation and this time and moment. Go be you. Now, you win a fifth one. I mean, that puts you personally in rarefied air. I mean, I, <laughs> it, it does. I mean, you look at the guys that not too many guys that have coached in the state of California can say they've won five state championships. It's special. It's special. And I, I think, you know, with these guys, the message has always been, you know, especially with what they've experienced and had to go through these last couple years, don't take anything for granted, number one, you know, because it could be here and it could be gone like that. So therefore, again, embrace that scenario, embrace the situation. And hey, once you're a champion, you're always a champion and no one could ever take that away from you. You'll continue being a champion in, in the game provided you have opportunity to continue, but more importantly, you're, you're gonna take that experience and it's gonna give you a chance to be successful and be a champion in life. What'd you pick up from Pat Murphy? Oh man, Pat Murphy, a ton of things, but I think the biggest thing with Pat was really understanding what it meant to be mentally tough, you know? Um, Back in those days, if, if you decided you were going to commit to be a Sun Devil, you truly had to understand and embrace what it really meant to be a part of Arizona State and Sun Devil family. And um, he was going to challenge you mentally like nobody else's business. And that was part of the process, you know, but it got to the point, maybe didn't understand it right at the beginning, but at the end, um, that team, those teams were self-driven. And, and I think he, he truly understood that with his approach and what he was trying to create. I shouldn't say trying, what he I created. I like need self-driven players. My dad was the same way. Like, you've got to have self-driven players. 100%. Every day is going to be challenging, so you better have something inside of you that, that allows you to handle that. And he knew, man, it was, going to be, it was going to be driven internally. And we took tremendous pride, you know. By the way, you got to play in the, the game that ended negative five back. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I'm looking at the note. You, you played me, in the hey. game that ended negative five bats. Everybody in Trojan Nation, <laughs> I'm taking the dagger out. It still exists. Yes, yes. It's, it's unbelievable to see, you know, where the game has gone from, from a technology standpoint because of that game. Like, the game needed to change because of, of I that think, game. It had been coming for a while. The, the scores were out of control, but the national championship game was a 23-18. 21-16, 21-16, I think there was nine ties, I think there was nine home runs, three, four grand slams in the game, you know, it was wild, it was, it was awesome, there's no experience, you know, like that, and I told the guys the same thing, you know, each one is different, you asked it earlier, you know, the fifth one, it's no different, they're, they're all special in their unique way, you know, but 
Is that the best thing about coaching is every year is going to be a different journey? Completely. Completely. You know, I, that's, that's the drive. That's the challenge. You know, it's, it's a complete challenge that you have to love and understand, you know, all the commitment, the time, the sacrifices that are going in, you know, it's, and, and you have to go 100% in selflessly. And that's when you're going to be rewarded, you know, tremendously is having that type of approach. What's the strength of your guys' team? You know, I'd, I'd say mentality. They're different. It's just different, you know, the backgrounds, the dynamics, you know, of, of the makeup, um, the diversity of it, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, you'll see in the dugout, uh, there's probably more Spanish being spoken in that dugout than there is English. And we have an international student athlete in Ray Shibuya who speaks Japanese. And, you know, we got everything going on and we tease, we tease Ray that he probably knows more Spanish than he does English, <laughs> you know, but it, it's great because, you know, a lot of their backgrounds that they've had to overcome in life is really coming to surface in the way they play the game. These kids appreciate things a little bit more about that. I really believe that. I do. You know, there's, there's always room to grow, and that's something that we preach, you know, to the guys on a daily, you know, is, you know, spending an amount of time with some purpose each and day, each and every day, I should say, to to really improve yourself as a human being, number one, the student, because that is before that slash and then the athlete. And, you know, Ryan, I'll tell you this, man, the time that I've been there, the guys that really grasp that concept and really have high intent and put the effort into those two pillars, this happens by default. It really does. Love that you had the guys pick the dirt up, and we talked a little bit about that. And I took film of it, and I'll send it out. But just talk about that, because not every coach that comes in here is going to think about that. But that's one of the things that you thought about. So I thought it was tremendous. Man, it, it meant the world to me. Seeing it. I apologize. No, 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 no. It's and that's um, how you are. Like I love it because I'm getting teary-eyed too. So it's um, it just goes back to trying to do the right things, and to really show the appreciation of the opportunity and the blessings that have been given to them. Want them to realize that and go back to never take anything for granted whatsoever. And, and with a little bit of gesture of somebody giving us a field to perform, prepare for something as special as becoming a champion. Um, picking up dirt clods is just a minute little thing, but again, can show a great appreciation and value of who you are as a human being to give back. And, um, you know, I just get, I get emotional because I go back to everybody who's... Well, we've all, we've all stood on somebody's shoulders. That's right. That's right. And, you know, the, the images and the memories and the moments and the experiences of all who have been influential as you brought up, you know, Pat, Dennis, and everybody in the game you know uh, I, I can go endless with Nino and you name it um, I can go colleagues with you know Pickler and conference and you know may Alto rest in peace and there's just tremendous respect for everybody you've come across and you if you're open and willing you can learn you know and I think that's what I've tried to do and I think that's why I've been put in this position to give it back. Good luck tomorrow, Coach. I appreciate it, Ryan.
What's up? Rich Gregory here, Folsom Lake, host of the tournament. But uh, thanks for having us. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We talked a little bit. Um, I loved watching your guys practice yesterday. And, um, you know, I love the fact that you're still coaching your guys. I mean, a lot of guys could, could mail it in right now. You're getting ready to play, but you're still coaching your guys up. But talk. Speak to somebody that says you can't still coach your guys. You know, I, I think a lot of times it gets easy and it gets comfortable for people when you when you're when you're coaching your team and you think things are going well. And, and for us, uh, we we want to still coach them hard and we still want to hold them accountable. Um, but you can do it in a way that 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 you've earned this progression through the course of a year and the little things that you're trying to help them focus on. And that's what we really try to do. We still want them to be the same guy that got us here, and if not, improve if we can and make those adjustments a little bit quicker. I love that you're asking them questions, man, and I think that's the key to still coaching your guys hard is you are asking them questions, and I love the responses that you're getting from them. Yeah, I like it because, you know, we ask, I ask them questions because we, it's coaching for us, let's say we're talking about hitting, it's more of a conversation than it is telling you exactly what to do. We're trying to teach them a lot of times how to feel their body and some of the things, some of the cues that might tell them that something's wrong, and so that's why we do a lot of the question stuff. How long with the two machine BP? Uh, how, how long have you been doing that? Uh, you know, this is the first year we've done it. Uh, we've been doing it all year. Uh, we do it every day except for game days, and, it, and it's made a significant improvement for us in terms of offensive production and uh, quality at bats and those types of things. I think our strikeouts have gone down and our team batting average has gone up. And we've had talented players before, but I think that's a big separator for us. And it's challenging. I mean, how, how, how were those conversations early with guys? Because they're going to get it handed to themselves. I mean, how were those conversations Oh, they did. Early? They were miserable, right? This is, you know, bull crap, or they would complain, and they're throwing fits coming out of the cage. And it really gets to the conversation about how to get yourself on time, right? Every pitch is a little bit different. Every situation is a little bit different. And it requires you to figure that out in your on-deck preparation and your routine to get yourself ready to go. And, and there's nothing different. There's no difference here when you're sitting in there uh, hitting off the machines. Do you think it's easier though? You're part of the world. You got the San Francisco Giants right down the road. They're yep. using machines for batting practice. The guys can see that the, the Giants are using machines <laughs> right. for batting practice. So is it a little easier conversation there? Uh, I think it is. You know, when we when we talk about it, you know, when they complain about it, I'd be like, okay, so you can't play professional baseball for X, or you can't go play for whomever. Uh, and I think that you know they say that that's their dream, and then they really start to understand that they're going to have to make an adjustment with themselves in order to to find a way onto the field. Getting a chance to host, but probably a little hectic though, since you're the host. Yeah. You don't get to relax. It's not like you're on the road and somebody else is doing all the work. You're yeah. doing all the work right now. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of work, but I've been pretty blessed. We've got a few other coaches, uh, head coaches, who've come in and offered to help out, and I'm really grateful for that. Wouldn't be able to do it without them. I mean, what, what has California Junior College meant to you? I mean, it seems like a great group of coaches. Uh, you know, for me, I mean, I played in the system. Um, uh, it's everything to me. I feel like junior college is a, a a place where you have an opportunity to grow as a young man and grow as a baseball player, uh, not get left behind. Uh, there's an opportunity for everybody in the country to play if you really want to. And the, the coaching brotherhood is exceptional, and, and I couldn't be more blessed with the friendships and the relationships I've made. Won a national championship at Chico in 97. Yeah. And just talk about Coach Meggs a little bit and the program at Chico when you were there. You know, I think Coach Meggs, uh, you know, he, he, <laughs> 
I think his work and his, and his career speaks for itself. I mean, the guy was exceptional at preparation and organization. Um, he was an exceptional coach. Uh, we were definitely a very, very prepared group. And it was about that time when I was a player that I really understood. Um, somebody set expectations for me that I didn't think I could set for myself. And then he taught you how to, to achieve those expectations or to rise to that occasion. So uh, it, was, it was an unbelievable experience playing for him and coaching for him for the years I did. Do you think that's key to great coaching is setting expectations for players that maybe they don't see for themselves? Yeah, you know, I, a lot of times when I'm recruiting kids, we'll have a conversation. I tell the parents, I go, you know, the one thing that I will do for your kid is I'll ne never let them have a day off in pursuit of their dreams, right? And so when they're having a bad day or they get tired, uh, you know, I'm there to help push them along in a, in a positive way. So uh, I think expectations and, and having goals are, are really, really good for, for athletes. What's the strength of your team? You're 38 and 6, you're having a great year. What are the strengths of your squad? You know, I think we're incredibly balanced. The one thing we do, and, and we have demonstrated, is that we pitch. We throw a lot of strikes, and, uh, you know, everyone laughs and says, oh, yeah, throw strikes. But that's really the case for us. We, we pitch, and we play pretty good defense, and we can run a little bit, and we've got some good bats in the lineup. I, I think we're incredibly balanced. But the, the big difference for us is, is the strength on the mound. What do you attribute to throwing strikes? I mean, we're not in a great era for throwing strikes right now. So what do you attribute to throwing strikes? Is it recruiting? Is it development? Is it a little bit of both? Uh, for us, we, we focus primarily on, um, for our guys, getting in the weight room, getting stronger, and, and mechanics, man. I mean, those are the things we focus on. There's a lot of really great things out there that people can subscribe to to help guys throw harder or throw stronger. Uh, we, we are kind of a little bit more on the old school side and helping them develop their bodies. I mean. For every 10 pounds of muscle, right, you get one to three miles an hour on the fastball, lean muscle. So uh, we really sell that and we sell diet. That, that's, that's really the big thing for us. Plus controlling your body. I mean, I, yeah. for me, the strength piece at the plate and the mound, like that's a big part of that is because as you get stronger, you're going to be able to control your body better, so you should throw more strikes if you get stronger. You should be able to control the barrel a little bit better as you get stronger. I couldn't agree more with you. And so, they, you know, it's it's we operate in this world where they're in, you know, they operate in 10 to 30 second clips on whatever it is in social media. And so they're always trying to get to where the that video looks like quick, and, and they don't understand that it's a bit of a marathon. So Yeah, we talked about that yesterday with pitchers that look like they're throwing a bullpen at 100 because they get everything right. working together. Same thing with a hitter. Everything's yep. slow and smooth but then the ball jumps off. But they're back. incredibly strong and they're, they're very aware of their body. How great is it having that many assistant coaches? You've got a lot of hands on deck. So. Yeah, I, I love it. There's a tremendous amount of support. I mean, coming from where we were a year ago with COVID, I had a few guys who refused to participate in the, the COVID rules that were there. And so we've had some changes and uh, these guys have just done a tremendous job for us. What are some other keys from going into the postseason to try to help guys? In terms of? Uh, anything getting ready? I mean, do you do much different? You know, no, we want to keep our routine. That's, we want to keep things exactly the asking, same. Because I think it's good for people to hear that. that now that you're in the postseason or you're playing for a national championship or championship, yep. trying to not change anything. Yeah, we just want to be the same as we always are. There's, there's, you know, we, we talk a lot about in our program, there isn't anything we can do today that is going to affect the outcome of all the preparation we have done before, right? And so really, as you heard yesterday, we're just in maintenance mode and trying to help them continue to grow on an individual and a personal level. Staying in the hotel, so yeah. I thought that was intriguing. You know, yesterday I thought it's a great point. You know, you're having your guys stay in the hotel. Yeah, you know, for us, uh, I, I just, uh, the simplest answer is I remember being a young man and if we were in a, you know, we played in the College World Series, if it was a home and I wasn't in a hotel, I'd be 
without celebrating the attention that would be there. And so for us, we feel like uh, if we can make sure that they're getting to bed and we're making sure that they're eating breakfast and we're doing those things, helping them stay on their normal routine, uh, that, that was the main, main goal for us. Any tips for high school coaches or travel coaches that are watching on getting their guys more prepared for coming to college? Ask a lot of questions of other people. There's so much information and, and there's so many people in this game who are willing to help and they'll do it for free. Ask questions, they'll help you. That's the biggest thing. I ask questions of other coaches all the time. I don't have all the answers and uh, I know that and that would be my advice is to ask for help. Thanks for your time, coach. Thanks, appreciate it, thanks. All right, here with Chris Predretti, CCBCA president, longtime Merced coach. So Chris, thanks for having us. I appreciate being here. What has the CCBCA meant to you? Oh, it's, uh, I started coaching back in 82 and uh, got to meet legends of the game, uh, junior college coaches like John Nochi and Jerry Weinstein, and Mike Gillespie, uh, I mean the list just goes on and on that, uh, that were part of this organization and started it. And, uh, I kind of grew up in it. I think the unique thing, about, unique thing about California is we've had a lot of junior colleges go to Division One. It seems like it's been kind of the breeding ground. Not as many states do that, but that, I think that's one of the unique things about the state of California. Oh, definitely. We've got uh, 88 schools playing baseball, which you know uh, is an enormous amount. So there's a lot of talent, obviously, in California, and uh, we always have a ton of guys drafted. A lot of ton of guys going on to four-year schools, whether it's Division One, Division Two. NAIA, Division three schools uh, across the board. Our coaches do a great job of sending guys on. Is that why you have your own championship? I mean, you have so many schools. I mean, yeah. that's... Uh, and, and we've talked of sending our, our one champion to the uh, Grand Junction. Uh, the lot of logistics that don't make that work. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and that's for people that don't know this part of the world. There's so many schools playing, you have to have your own championship. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so has it always been this format? With two teams no, from the, the 80s, south going to two in the teams. 80s, uh, in the 70s, it was a north winner against the south winner, just the best two out of three. Yep. And then in the 80s, it became an eight team tournament. Uh, and we had some cost containment issues uh, probably 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and it, it had to be a four team tournament. You rotate your championship? It, it, yeah, it, it was in Fresno for 15 or more years, yep. and then. Uh, this year we've moved it here to Folsom. Yeah. You have a big part in the ABCA, run the hitting hot stove. Just talk about the ABCA and the hitting hot stove. Oh, that, from the first, my first year of coaching, I went to the ABCA convention in San Diego and I've uh, gone almost every year since. It's just a unbelievable event every year. Uh, not only for me, but for my wife and assistant coaches just to get exposed to other parts of the country and listen to just some great speakers and uh, it's just a it's an event I'll, when I'm done coaching I'll still be going. To. Who nudged you to go that first year? Uh, Butch Hughes who's uh, was a long time Merced College coach won a bunch of state championships uh, he had just retired but he took me hey we're going and we were hanging with Lefty Gomez and uh, Tommy Lasorda and this I mean, here I'm a young kid and just to have that experience unbelievable. Talk about your relationship with Scott Pickler. What's that? Talk about your relationship with Scott Pickler. Oh, uh, Scott's first year of coaching was probably my second or third, when his first year at Cypress, and we uh, 
We're both at Santa Maria at the Hancock Tournament, which is just a big time Easter tournament every year. And he was a first year coach, didn't know anybody. My wife and I were sitting at a table eating dinner, a coach's dinner. And he came walking by with this plate of food and didn't really know anybody. So, hey, sit down with us. So just got to know him. He said, hey, come down to my tournament next year in, in February. All right, we'll do that. And we just, we hit it off. And, we travel together, we go to ABCA together. Uh, it's, he's just a, one of my best friends. Talk about junior college and kind of building a life there. You had three kids graduate from Merced, right? Reading in your right. bio. Right. So just talk about what Merced and, and just being in junior college as long as you have and what it's meant uh, it's to you. Just, it's just a great stepping stone for them to uh, not only get their education, but uh, small class sizes. Uh, just junior colleges offer so much as far as preparing kids to go on to four-year schools and all get their AA degrees and uh, it's, it's just a great stepping stone. Not all kids are ready to move away from home and, and have to live on their own. Uh, it's been great. How was the banquet last night? Uh, Tony Bloomfield, Bloomfield Health Court uh, just gave a great Hall of Fame speech. Uh, the, all you could see the passion in the four coaches that are uh, here at the Final Four, passion for their kids and for the game, and uh, really a great event. I love the format because you got two games spread out, so teams can take BP right. pre-game. Just talk about that a little bit. It's unique for a tournament setting to have be able to take BP on the field. The first day we try and do that just to make it as much like a normal game as we can. Uh, the format lends itself to having just two games the first day. Uh, tomorrow, with three games, it's off-site DP, uh, but uh, this first day, you're really trying to make it special for the players. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. It's a great time of the year with college championships going on. Appreciate coaches being willing to sit down in a hectic time for them, getting their teams ready to compete for a championship. I'm always impressed with the high-level baseball I see all over the country at every level of baseball. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Jim Richardson, and Matt West in the ABC office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter and TikTok, CoachB underscore ABCA, Instagram, RyanBrownlee17, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. Set me free